Well, good morning, Grace Church. You're awake now, aren't you? Amen. It is great to see everyone this morning on campus. Why don't you look at somebody sitting uh, nearby, give them a big smile, say, tell them, say, I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. And I guess, really, uh, besides hoping that everybody had a, had a wonderful holiday, a wonderful Thanksgiving, um, I guess we can say now that we have fully entered into the holiday season. It is here. Yeah, that's all right. Amen. So here we are. We've got, we've got lots, of, uh, lots of wonderful, wonderful things to celebrate and to, uh, to have time together over the next coming weeks and uh, days and weeks uh, during the holiday season. And we're going to have just a wonderful time as a church family. I do want you to remember uh, Tuesday morning prayer uh, this coming Tuesday uh, at 10 o'clock right here in the sanctuary. If you can come and pray at that time, we absolutely would encourage you to do so. Also, our Christmas service will be December the 19th. Everybody say December the 19th. That is our annual Christmas service here on the Grace Church campus. We're expecting a great time together. We want you to bring your friends, bring your family, and uh, let's just celebrate Christmas together as a church family on the 19th. Also in that service, we're going to be receiving our Christmas for Christ offering, and uh, we want you to come prepared to give. That goes to, to North American Missions, helps us uh, plant churches right here in the United States, and so we want you to give to that. You'll notice in the lobby there are some envelopes with amounts uh, that you can give. We want everybody to take an envelope with, that amount, with the amount that you feel led to give and come prepared on that Sunday to give in that offering. And we'll be a blessing together to the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. Would you stand with us today? We're going to prepare uh, to enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. And I hope that this week that you spent some time just reflecting on the goodness of God in your life. And I hope you spent some time, uh, the old song says, counting your blessings. Because the truth is, is we all have an awful lot to be thankful for. We all have an awful lot to praise Jesus for. So today as we enter into our praise and worship time, I want you to just reflect and remember the goodness of God to you and to your family. And as the praise team comes right now, would you just lift your voice? Would you lift your hands? And collectively, let's praise Jesus. Lord, we thank you for what you've done. We thank you for your blessings. We praise you for who you are. That's it, Grace Church. Clap your hands in Jesus' name.
today that because we're in the presence of the Lord we're going to let the Lord have his way we're not going to hold back anything we're not going to resist anything but we're going to let the spirit of the Lord flow as it desires throughout the house today one more time would you clap your hands to Jesus let's praise him hallelujah 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 Thank the Lord. As you return to your seats, it's great to have everybody here today. Uh, thank you so much for being with us. Those on campus, thank you for being with us. And uh, those of you certainly joining us on live stream and Facebook Live, thank you so very much for joining us here today. Wait till everyone is seated and then let you know that I just ask you to return to your seat but not to sit down. One person could sit down and everybody just like cattle, they all just go down one at a time after another. Keep your seat while I make an announcement and then we'll have you stand for the reading of the word of the Lord. Thank you, praise team, for once again taking us to the throne of God this morning. Uh, I've been asked to announce that uh, actually this coming Saturday on December the 4th there is a youth Christmas banquet at 6 p.m. in the A Center and this is for ages 11 through 21 and if people need to come you're involved in that uh, if you have smaller kids under this age range if you can find child care it would be appreciated and then on Sunday evening December the 5th that would be the next day. There is a Christmas banquet. It's targeted for our young married couples, but the ages are 22 through 45. And uh, you're welcome to come, and you'll also need to find child care. And for the Sunday evening banquet, Pam Howard, this is Kevin Howard's wife, 
I have heard that she is quite the comedian. And uh, she will be our speaker for the Merry Christmas Banquet, and you'll not want to miss. And uh, if you need more details about that, you can contact the church office or uh, Nancy Tier for the youth banquet or Sister Sheila Goins for the uh, Merry Banquet. I will remind all of us, and if you'll think of this against uh, the backdrop of what I'm about to say, when is the last time you've heard of a Christmas banquet being conducted anywhere? They seem to be a thing of the past. Now, as a teenager, young married person, I absolutely loved Christmas banquets. It was a highlight of the year. And uh, we had them when we came here 28 years ago. We did them for a number of years. And I don't know what happened. All of a sudden, a generation of people popped up out of somewhere that lost interest in them. And uh, people quit coming, so we quit having them. So uh, it was an idea of several people to bring the Christmas banquet back. And I hope they're well attended. They're so much fun. They are so much fun. Hope they're well attended. So we're trying it this year. Hope it works out great so we can continue them next year if it works, Lord willing. And uh, the Lord tarries, then we can expand the ages and, and what have you. So be patient with us on this if you fall outside of one of these age groups. But remember that for this coming weekend. It's going to be a fun, fun time uh, for our youth Christmas banquet and also for our, our younger Merry Christmas banquet. Uh, so remember that announcement. <clears throat> now, if you'll stand with me in honor to the word of the Lord. <clears throat> I want to read a very familiar reading. <clears throat> and again, I've come to the pulpit today. I want to say before I read my text today that I'm thankful to have people at Grace Church that I believe are really plugged into the Spirit of the Lord, the Kingdom of God, that has a lot of meaning. But there is a man here today that I have very deep confidence in along these lines. And uh, I suppose last Sunday was probably one of the most laborious sermons I've preached from this pulpit, and I don't know when. Talked about the blessing of the prodigal. But the battle was intense. My spirit was so encouraged and uplifted when Brother Billy Thornton told me after church that there was an angelic representation above me the whole entire time I was preaching last Sunday. I'm thankful for that. That may not mean a whole lot to you, but just to know that God is on my side <clears throat> means everything to me. Today I'm coming again a very compelling message and I have learned especially since we've been back on campus from the COVID pandemic what have you it seems that there are some that are more susceptible to responsive to the preaching of the word of God and there are some that seems it's become hardened and doesn't listen and I'm, I'm learning and I'm trying to not accept that fact but it does factor in everything that I will say today there's going to be some here today that it will fall on deaf ears I'm very sorry for you when that happens very sorry 
So I'd like to read today from Job chapter 1, verse 6. Very familiar reading. But the timing today, I believe, is impeccable. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth, and from walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright man, one that fears God and excueth evil, or hates evil? And Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for naught? Hast thou not made a hedge about him and about his house and about all that he has on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands and his substance is increased in the land. Put forth thine hand now and touch all that he has and he will curse you to your face. The Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he has is in thy power. Only upon himself put forth, put not forth thine hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. By a show of hands here this morning, how many are familiar with the story of Job that I just read? Most everybody? Thank you for that. We understand that after this dialogue between God and Joe and, and the devil, which God brought it up, that at some point God took Job's hedge away. And the devil had his way with Job. I want to ask you a question today. All the folks here at Grace Church, I want to ask you a question. Before you judge me, I'd like you to think about it. I want to preach to you for a little while today. Has God removed our hedge? Has God removed our hedge? Somebody say, Thank God for the word. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. <clears throat> I want to say again, not to sound as a hero or a martyr, but I do like to share sometimes with you where these sermons come from. I have considered sometimes literally counting the number of sermons my own personal sermons that I have in my library for the past almost 40 years. Never have done it. But after last Sunday, when I left last Sunday, even after what Brother Billy told me, I walked through that door right over there going to my office and said, God, I want to encourage the people next Sunday. Let me encourage the people next Sunday. 
So I woke up Monday morning and I asked God the same thing, that he would give me favor to encourage the people. Talk to me, God. Talk to me, God. And within just moments, this message flooded my mind. Listen to pastor here for a few moments. Everybody listen. And I want you to do some reflection in your own personal life. And I want you to consider you as an individual. If you're married, I'd like for you to consider your marriage. If you have kids, I'd like for you to consider your kids. Against the backdrop of what I'm going to present in the next few moments. Everybody think with me here for a moment. Is it possible? That when this pandemic broke out, that God removed the hedge from around the church when that happened. How many people have we known, how many preachers have we known that have died of COVID? God dropped the hedge. He let this pandemic have its way. I heard one brief testimony where someone said they were healed of COVID. If that's true, I accept it, but that's the only, only time I've heard of anybody healed of COVID. Is it possible that God had this eternal meeting somewhere with Lucifer himself and said, have you considered my church it's around the world. I'm going to drop the hedge and you can have your way. So this plan that I personally believe is straight from the pit of hell, this COVID business. The devil perhaps was allowed to cut it loose on the church around the world. I read a statistic just a few weeks ago that most churches fall somewhere in between 25 and 50% of their congregation has yet to return since COVID. Most of those people have left, gone to other churches, some of other denominations. Grace Church is in that statistic. I don't know how many families we've lost since covid but I'm going to assume it's probably now between 15 and 20 families that have left Grace Church during COVID. Sister Murph has pleaded with me not to do what I wanted to do here this morning, so I'm going to respect her wishes. But I will say this because it's about me. But I wonder now about my motorcycle accident. When four paramedics said that I should have died. God told Job, you can do whatever you want to him, but don't touch his life. I wonder if God dropped the hedge that day for a little while. And I can stand here today with a list in my hand of six of our area pastors that have been to hell and back since around the time of my motorcycle accident. Most of the information that I have written down right here has been on social media, so it's not a secret. But I wonder if somehow God dropped the hedge and told the devil to have at it. 
when you look at the nature of Job's trials, there is some similarities between what happened to him and what's happened to some people that I know. I know a mother today that lost two of her grown adult kids in less than six weeks. She's reeling. I know a family that attends another church in the area that lost a son. I'm asking you today, has God removed our hedge? He don't have to have a reason. He don't have to have anybody's permission. Now that I hopefully have your attention, I'd like to ask you a question. Are you and I always aware of the times that God gives us a hedge? And or are we aware of the times that He takes it away? In the passage of Scripture, I just heard somebody praying. You don't know what that means to me, whoever it is. Just keep praying. But in the passage of Scripture, passage of Scripture I just read, you'll notice that God had this dialogue with the devil. And Job was completely in the dark. I don't read any scripture where God gave him a heads up. Job did not know that he and his family was about to become some kind of divine experience concocted somewhere in the far reaches of an eternal region. <coughs> For that matter, I'm not sure that Job was even aware that he had a hedge around him to start with. I don't find any of this communicated to Job one way or another and if this Job story wasn't in the Bible, we wouldn't know it either. God gave him no warning that he was about to take that hedge away and that he was going to be vulnerable to any attack of the devil that God would allow the devil to take on him. So I want to ask you a question today. Everybody here, please just, honor, just respect this for a moment. Turn off your cell phone for a minute. Facebook can wait. Are you living your life today, right now as we speak, are you living your life today with or without your hedge? Do you know if you are or not? And do you really care? You're here today, and let's say you're 16 and under. Would you stand? You're 16 years of age or under. Most of them are right up here, but there's some spattering of our young folks around the building. I want all of you folks to look at these people. Thank you, and you may be seated. I'd like to ask the parents and grandparents that are here today, are your kids living with their hedge around them. 
how do you know? And if they're not, how much do you care? Say, Pastor, what is a hedge? I'm glad you asked. A hedge is and means to entwine. It's to shut in. It's for protection. A hedge is for restraint. It's a fence. It's put there to protect what's inside of it. I'll have you notice this morning that for many years, Job lived behind God's protective hedge in unrivaled prosperity. He had everything he wanted, had money, wealth, everything a man could possibly want. He had it all. God's hedge served as a wall to protect Job against the devil. And all the wicked things that could possibly happen to him his family, his possessions, everything that identified with Job was protected and covered by this hedge that God had put around him. God was like a wealthy landowner who had a beloved vineyard. So he built a rocky hedge, wall or barrier or fence he built it around it to keep wild beasts out, to keep predators out, to keep robbers and thieves out. Nothing could enter this vineyard unless it served God's good purpose. In the same way, God's hedge around Job was to keep the devil and evil men and things touching him in an adverse, negative way. This hedge kept Job's possessions protected. There's lots of scripture to go with this. God's hedge around Job also provided security for Job so Job could prosper. Every aspect of Job's life was covered, protected, fenced in, walled in by this God-given hedge which I consider very simply the grace of God, the unmerited favor of God. The Bible makes it clear Job didn't have anything to do with that. I'll point out to you again that I'm not sure Job had any knowledge of any such thing even existing around it. But God put it there because he loved God and he hated evil. Inside this hedge, the work of, of Job's hands prospered until he literally enjoyed the reputation of being the greatest man in all the East. Satan and Job's enemies, however... They waited. I don't know how long they waited, but apparently it was for a long time. They waited for their opportunity to get inside that hedge to work their will against Job. 
And when Satan came before the king of heaven, God himself, God brought up Job and said, Have you considered my servant Job? And apparently the devil had. He told God, You've got an impenetrable force around him. You've got a, a hedge, a wall. There's a barrier, barricade. There's, you have things in place around Job. I can't do nothing. But he went on to say, if you'll get rid of that hedge, I'll make Job curse you to your face. In other words, the devil was saying to God that Job was into honoring God for what he selfishly got out of their relationship. And if you let Job meet where the metal meets the road, you'll find out who he really is. You'll find out about his true character. Let me get a hold of him for a while, God. I'll show you who Job is. So the devil wagered that if the Lord would allow him to strike all that Job had, God, if you will let me take everything he's got, he will curse you to your face. God, completely being unthreatened by this challenge, he gave Satan permission to strike all of Job's possession, but just do not touch Job's life. So God temporarily opened the gate to Job's hedge and permitted Satan to work at his will. I will point out to you today whether we like it or not or understand it or not. It is still God's prerogative to open and close the hedge that protects and blesses the righteous. Dwelling inside ancient stone hedges that surrounded vineyards were poisonous serpents and every kind of varmint you could imagine. <clears throat> when the hedge was broken down, they prepared to strike the innocent victim on the inside the same would result in Job's life. And you all know the story. You raised your hand that you said you knew the story. I'll come back to that in a moment. But I want you to notice what can happen when the hedge is gone. This is Job living inside his hedge. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. That man was perfect and upright, one that feared God and eschewed or hated evil. And were born unto him seven sons and three daughters. His substance also was 7,000 sheep and 3,000 camels and 500 yoke of oxen and 500 she-asses and a very great household so that this man was the greatest of all men of the East. His sons went and feasted in their houses Every one his day, and sent and called for their three sisters to eat and drink with them. And it was so, with, when the days of their feasting were gone about, that Job sent and sanctified them, and rose up early in the morning, and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. And Job said, It may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. This did Job continually. He prayed for his family. He loved God. He prayed for his family. He tried to raise his kids right. 
He did everything he knew to do that was right. He did it with all of his heart. And you've been given a picture of a man that is living safely inside a hedge that God has put around him. I still call it the unmerited grace of God. It's nothing you do, but it's what he does. And he does it because of unmerited favor, not because Job deserved it. He just did it to be nice. The Bible gives us the appearance that for some length of time, perhaps many, many years, Job was one big happy family. It shows Job is a happy man, a wealthy man, a man that loves God, and a man with everything going his way. Everything he touches seemingly turns to gold. There are families here today that could possibly relate to, to Job. There's family here, families here today that have good jobs. You make good money. You live in a nice home and you drive a nice car. You drive nice cars. Your kids are wonderful. They're growing up amazingly. There's parents here today that are proud of their kids. They're making all the right choices at least so far. You're living the Job life. Got money in the bank. Got your future planned. I even know of a few people here today that's got their own funeral planned. As a matter of fact, Sister Murphy and I have just bought some grave plots. You want an experience like you've never had in your life? Go walk around on your cemetery plot where you're going to be buried. It changes things. Pictured. Reverend G. Glenn Murphy, born May the 8th, 1957. Died December the 25th, 2021. No, I'm kidding. <clears throat> Beloved husband, amazing preacher. I pictured all of that. Incredible pastor on that tune. read a cartoon about a tombstone one time that said Paul love Paul but Paul loved women Paul caught Paul with two in swimming here lies Paul had to lighten this up a little bit <laughs> I think all of us would agree, most of us would agree, at least until COVID hit, we were all pretty blessed. Still are. But I still believe that perhaps God dropped the hedge and let COVID in to impact our lives in ways we've never been impacted before in our lifetime. Just to see if the devil could make us point our finger up at God and curse him. I believe today with all of my heart, considering everything that's happened, so far overall, I think the church has done pretty good. Standing its ground. This much, 
this bunch, y'all remember that? Decided to square our shoulders and look COVID dead in the eye and say, I ain't giving in, not today. Hallelujah. And here we are. God proved to the devil. And this is where, again, the devil makes his mistake. A man don't have to have a hedge round about him to successfully live for God. I can take my hedge away from them. I can take my grace away from them. And they will still live for me. They will still serve me. They will still do my bidding. They still believe in me. Their faith is still intact. And they'll stand tall. And they'll stand strong. I thank God today for the church. Nothing the devil has thrown at the church. Nothing has ever succeeded. God has a church. He's always had a church. And one of these days, he's going to rapture a church out of here. Jesus said, I will build my church on a rock and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I'm glad to be a part of the church. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. You may be seated. Thank you. So Job was blessed. But, What we don't know and what Job didn't know was that there was some dialogue going on in heaven between God and the devil about him. And God gave the devil full access to Job. Only spare his life. Don't kill him. Don't let your good friend death, devil, touch him. Anything else is up to you. Have your way. God was so confident in how much Job loved him and how much Job believed in him and Job's ability to stand on his convictions that Job would still do the right thing even without his hedge. Does God have that kind of confidence about us? I believe with the church, absolutely. Because the church has been allowed to be, be drugged through some of the most challenging times since the book of Acts. But I want to ask you today, how long do you think you would last? Or how long have you lasted when God took away your edge? I believe there's people here today, and I'm going to illustrate it in a few moments. I could go down this side and up that side and this one and that one. There's people here today. We're not very cognizant all the time that we even have a hedge around us. And we are left bewildered when God allows it to be removed. Because all hell comes in from every side. And you don't know why. And you think, God, what did I do? Where did I mess up? How did things go so wrong? I've been a faithful, stalwart child of God. 
I've been faithful to the house of God. I've been faithful to prayer. I've been faithful to Bible study. I've paid my tithes. I've shown up. I've done everything I know to do. How in the world did this calamity come out of nowhere and just about obliterate me and my faith and my family? Everything I've hoped for, everything I've dreamed of is gone. Noah had his hedge while building the ark. But apparently it was taken away after the judgment of the flood because he came out of the ark and became an earth man, the Bible said. Carnal. He got drunk and destroyed one of his own son's future. Abraham went to Egypt without his hedge and failed. Moses killed an Egyptian one time without his hedge. God's not the only one that can remove the hedge. We can with our actions and our attitude and our lack of doing right and our propensity to do wrong. You give up your own hedge. Now we come to David of the Old Testament. With his hedge, he killed a lion and a bear and a giant. Without his hedge, he committed adultery and committed murder. In Job's case, God lifted it. So he could show the devil that it's possible for a man to live for God without a hedge. If a hedge is the grace of God, does anybody, would you agree for a little bit with me that it's possible to live some portion of your life without the grace of God? I don't want to. But is it possible? I also believe that We can have it lifted by our own attitude, by our own actions. Carnality can take it away. Sin can take it away. We can come to a place of self-made security that is having a happy family with plenty of money, having our future all planned out the way we want to through retirement, even to having our own funerals planned all the while thinking that we think we can live with or without our hedge, and it's optional. Job's trial. Is an everlasting reminder of what can happen to a man when God agrees with a devil. When God makes a deal with a devil to take your hedge away. Leaves you out there on your own. Excuse my expression, but it's applicable. God allows for all hell to be turned loose on you. On your family on your marriage, on your kids. I know very few that have survived it. I know some that have, but very few survive it. We're kind of hoity-toity in our attitude, and we can do this. We get on a little ego trip. We're proud, and, and look what I've done, and look what I can do. And if something bad happens, I've proven what I can do. I can build it all back. I can get it all back. Not quite that easy. For Job, the loss of his hedge, his possessions was the first to go. He was bankrupted overnight. I don't know how long all this took, but he lost all of his possessions, all of his money, all of his herds. You raised your hand a little while ago that said you knew the story. You know what he lost. And after a while, you start questioning 
God, I've done everything I know to do is right. What's happening to me? Why are you doing this to me? God's not doing nothing. And that's the problem. God's not stopping anything. He's letting the devil have his way. I'm preaching the Bible here today. I asked Brother Dave, sat in my office this morning, is this possibly what happened to the Apostle Paul when you read of his resume of being shipwrecked and lost at sea and almost killed how many times? God dropped the hedge. Keep going. All the apostles were martyred save one. God dropped the hedge. He didn't spare their life. Then lost his kids. There's a man sitting here today, and I'll not call his name. He's lost a son, and a few years ago he lost a grandson. I don't know how he's maintaining his, his, his sanity right now. There's people here today that have experienced loss. They've had tragic things happen to you. And I believe it's in those moments for the hoity-toity ones here today that I've got my life planned out and everything's a piece of cake and I'm going to live to be 102 and I'm going to die a multimillionaire and we're going to have all this stuff and whatever. You go ahead and think that. But it's a mistake. I say, if it's the will of God for me to live the next 24 hours, I'm very happy to live the next 24 hours. My own motorcycle accident told me how close I came. God lifted the hedge and I kissed death on the mouth. It's not a pleasant experience. Job lost his kids. Can you imagine that? There's parents. I called out a couple of people here a few moments ago. One family lost two kids in six weeks. Another lost a son. That's just one. Or in this case, in other cases too. And there's still maybe a kid or two left over. When I heard of Brother David Azuna losing his oldest child, it scared me so bad. Sister Murph and Casey and I think Noah and Joseph were going to POA to practice some quizzing stuff in Alexandria. I was scared to death when they left. And just hope to God they make it back. I texted her periodically. All the way there, y'all are okay. Just sit there and wait for a response back. God has shown me and other ministers across our country that there is a phenomenon that has happened to the church and it's, it's vitally important that we see it and we understand it. At God's discretion, talking to the devil. He's not talking to me. He ain't talking to you, telling you nothing. He has a chat with the devil. And he says, have you considered brother so-and-so over here? Have you considered sister so-and-so over here? And the devil says, yes, I have. I can't stand them. And I would love to destroy them. But you got that stupid hedge around them. And if you get rid of that dumb hedge, I will make them curse you to your face. So God takes it away. And you get blistered. 
from one side and then another. And your life becomes a tumult. It becomes chaos. And there's no answers nowhere. And you go talk to your preacher and he don't have an answer. You don't know how many times I've sat behind my desk and looked at people and said, with tears welling up in my eyes, I don't know why. Job didn't lose one kid. He didn't even lose half of them. He lost all of them. One time. One fatal event. All ten of his kids were dead. Live with that. Deal with that. For most of us here today, there's not enough therapists in this area to help that wound feel better. Don't you see what can happen to us? You've convinced yourself that you can live with or without a hedge. and I can take whatever comes and whatever happens, but can you? He asked one more question in conclusion. Job finally said to one of his buddies, or rather his wife, You listen to me and you listen to what I'm about to say. Again, he didn't know about a hedge. He didn't know one had been taken away either. But he said to his wife, when she walked into the room and said, Why don't you curse God and die? She was a literal mouthpiece for the devil. In my opinion, probably possessed of the devil when she said it. Why don't you just curse God and die? And she said, I'll put it in my language, you're an idiot. You're being plumb stupid and irrational. That's Murphy translation. Bible translation says it this way. Naked came out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gives, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Can we do that? Can we do that? I believe there's people that have lived and survived this COVID pandemic at least so far that have done that. I'm not going to cave in to this evil, to this fear, to all of these things. What's interesting to me is that Job made this statement without his hedge. He proved it. It could be done. My question to you today, as we're living currently in the lap of luxury and have everything we want, the only little miss, the only little bump in the road we had for this Thanksgiving and preparation for our meal, if Sister Murphy couldn't find the Jell-O brand, coconut pudding we went to four or five stores and they were all sold out and at the last minute somebody had a shipment come in bought 12 boxes to make our infamous pumpkin bread I had a a bit of a revelation this week an understanding and I hope you can hear that in the scripture setting 
But in the event that's happened in the Taylor family a few months ago, the passing of Sister Sandra, is it possible? That happened so quick and unexpected. Is it possible that God just dropped the hedge for a couple of days and see what you folks would do? It's all part of things. I feel like Sister Murphy when I went through it when our son Marcus was 16 years old and got an intestinal virus that they couldn't find. He had lost 16 pounds, was curled up in a fetal position, and the doctor said, there's nothing else we can do. I went home and sobbed and cried and said, God, if you'll let him live, take me in his place. God dropped the hedge. I believe marriages that used to exist with people in this church that are now obliterated. The devil got to you. God dropped the hedge. And your marriage didn't make it. There's people here today that has lost loved ones, lost kids, lost spouse. The devil got in somewhere. God dropped the hedge for a little while and wreaked havoc. They've never come back. I did my best to give you hope last Sunday. But I believe some of our prodigals are coming back home. I'm going to have you stand in a moment, but not right now. Had a little bit of a revelation this week. Something came to my understanding. February or the day of what year? February of 2016. Sunday afternoon, I think it was Super Bowl Sunday, if I'm not mistaken. <coughs> My phone rang and it was Brother Dave, his voice quivering on the other end. Pastor, something's wrong with Dawson. They don't know what's wrong with him. It's not looking good all of you here today just with that one little statement you know the story but it occurred to me this morning that God dropped the hedge around Dave and Farrah Bunch and let the devil get on the inside of their family and wreak havoc so what he decided to do was attack Dawson I'll take their firstborn son I can hear the dialogue between the devil and God Satan have you considered my servants, Dave and Farah? Yeah, they're amazing people. Everybody that knows them loves them. They're pure in spirit. They're faithful. They've given their heart to missions. They've gone to the missions field. And only God knows the amazing future that, that you have for them. So God says, I'll tell you what. I'll drop the hedge I have around them. And you have your way. Y'all ever thought what happened that morning on the way back from that interstate? It only took God to drop that hedge for about 60 seconds. And it's only the grace of God that she's here. It is. 
don't think this is a game that God's playing. Look back there at Mike and Sheila. God dropped the hedge for a little while. The devil wreaked havoc on their son. There's a story here today I want to tell so bad, but I don't know the family well enough, so I'm not going to tell it. But I watched, just like a light came on in my head, of amazing people in this church that live stalwart lives for Jesus, and all of a sudden, the bottom falls out. And there's no reason. There's no great, grievous transgression. It's just the bottom falls. So here goes Dave and Farah. We meet them at the hospital and at the last minute. They've recognized it could be leukemia. I'm sorry, Dawson, to drag you through this again, but it's so applicable. We drive Dave and Farah to Memphis. Farah and Dawson's put on an airplane, and away they go. One thing that I worried about secondarily to Dawson's survival is how would Elena handle her life has been turned on its head in every way you can imagine. And in the midst of all of this leukemia stuff, you all know the story. Dawson kissed death on the mouth numerous times through that whole process. Lost all of his hair. Just horrible, horrible things happened just through the treatment itself. And on top of that, here comes a 2016 flood. Dave has to leave his son in Memphis and come home to their house in Denham Springs. It had four feet of water in it. And when I pulled up, everything they owned, everything. There's men here today that helped take every possession they had out of that house and pile it up on the side of the street like it was rubbish. that says to work out your own soul salvation with fear and trembling has a whole lot of new meaning to it today than it did a week ago. That it is imperative, it is imperative that we do anything and everything God asks us to do. I used to say in jest when we pastored in Baker, I hadn't said this in years, but I believe with all of my heart if God asked me to stand on my head and whistle Dixie and gargle peanut butter and stack up greasy BBs, I'd give it a shot. I want to please him. I do not want to be found without my hedge and not being right with God. You know where Job had the advantage? He was right with God, Shaquana, when that happened. His heart was right with God. He loved God. The Bible said that. He had no reason to be at angst with God over anything. Him and God's relationship, excuse my expression, was kind of peachy. Everything between him and God was wonderful. A preacher said years ago and got reprimanded for it, but he said, me and God got our own thing going. And over some span of time, one thing after another, after another, after another, 
happened in the life of Job until his body was filled with sores. He had sackcloth on his head, which is a type of fasting. He was rubbing his arms with clay pots to somehow ease the pain and get the balls to burst and to get rid of the itch and the pain and all of that. And finally, his wife walks in. How many wives are here today that would be a willing candidate to see your husband suffering to the degree that Job was and encourage him and entice him to tempt him, to persuade him, to just, your wife is here today. Men, think about them walking into your bedroom and your body is battered and you've lost everything you work for and they finally point that little finger in your face and say won't you curse God you idiot and die and get this mess over you don't think that can happen in our world today there's families all over this planet that are reeling and grieve and sorrow over they've lost loved ones to COVID they're reeling there's families here, there's families in this area that's reeling today over their sons dying, their daughters dying over drug overdoses. Some of them suicide, some may be accidental, whatever. But this, we're living in a time where God is more willing to drop the hedge than any time I've ever seen in my life. And you know what it does to me? It makes me want to grab a hold of Sister Murphy, our two sweet kids, our two sweet daughter-in-law, son-in-law, our two amazing grandkids, and bring them as close to we as we can and pray that God's unmerited favor never fail us. God, please keep that hedge around us. Please, God, and if you somehow choose to let it fall, would you please give this old man right here the tenacity, the stamina to look it all in the eye and proclaim as for me and my house. We're going to serve the Lord. really don't have any other choice. If I curse God, what would it do? If I curse God, what would it help? If I blame God, what would it accomplish? We have to understand, and there's something on the inside of my heart that's pounding today. It's pounding hard and feverishly right now that there's families here today that need to make up your mind, and you need to decide that it doesn't matter what happens and comes my way. I've seen enough. I'm exposed to enough. And I know what the potential is. I know what can happen. And if it does, I'm determined to serve God anyway. I want you to remain seated. have some understanding of this message. If you don't understand it, don't do what I'm about to ask you to do. If you're 16 and under and you understand what pastor just preached, I'd like for you to stand. I'm not here to patronize anybody. I'm not here to put anybody on the spot. But I'm desperate. At this point, I really don't feel like I have much to lose. All of you folks, if it's possible, would you go get your mom and daddy? If your mom and daddy's working in the media booth or up here somewhere, 
go get the grandparent. Go get both grandparents and whoever's here. And say, would you come down to the front with me and pray that God keeps his hedge around us. Would you go do that? Go to your parents, your grandparents, whoever's here. And just tell them, would you come pray with me that God would keep his hedge around me. Mom and dad, would you come up here with me and pray with me that God would keep his hedge around us. God, keep your hedge around us. I say today with all confidence, I didn't, I didn't have to ask our young folks and children to do that. I believe they would do it anyway because it's what they want in their heart. They want to know that mom and dad is praying for them. Praying that God would keep a hedge around them to protect them from suicide, drug overdose, pornography, hate, bitterness, all the stuff that's out there. And now that we have our families up here and they sing softly, Mom and Dad, would you put your arms around your family and pray with all of your might that God, if you've taken away our hedge, would you please put it back? God, would you please put it back? But more than that, if you've taken it away, give us the strength to serve you without it. If you've taken it away, oh God, give us the strength to serve without it. Come on, mom and dad. Somebody pray.
Oh! 